You're listening to... Hey, he said I could do it this time. Look, do you want to fight, or would you rather go by forces and push the big guy out together? Take him out. Okay. okay. Jinx, 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 You're listening, listening to Jeff Lacks Live with our dead Jeff Lacks on the legendary Zev Brenner Talk Line Network. He is talking news with views so his ratings don't dive. It's the moment you've waited for. Here comes Jeff Lacks Live. The left really hates him and he's ready to fight. But the joke's on them because so does the right. Here comes Jeff Lacks Live. You can't top him. Don't try to stop him. Here comes Jeff Lacks Live. Listening live to another episode of Jeff Lax Live, right here on the legendary Zev Brenner Talkline Network, talklinenetwork.com, 620 AM WSNR on your AM dial. And our Twitter account, as always, is at Jeff Lax Live. Tweet us at Jeff Lax Live. We will read tweets on the show. If you haven't followed us yet, what are you doing? Follow us already. Come on. Been on for a few months already. If you're not following us yet, I don't know what you're doing. Come on. Follow us. We've got a power pack show tonight with an old friend, Erica Shackney, who is the magazine editor of the Jerusalem Post. Phenomenal human being who was uh, born in Queens and made Aliyah and had a lot of really interesting things to say about that. She actually didn't invite her on to talk about that. Um, I invited her on to talk about my unorthodox life. And I've been wanting to have a show about that for a while. I had a lot of things to get off my chest, and I didn't get them quite all off my chest. So maybe we'll need to revisit that. But she was on to talk about specifically the breakup of Ben and Bot. So for those of you who are not familiar with the show, we'll give a little bit of an uh, explanation when we come back from the break and go into the interview. But I also I thought it was very interesting that Erica talked about some really fascinating struggles about making Aliyah. And, and don't get me or her wrong. Uh, it's the most incredible thing you can do. If you're thinking about it, don't be discouraged. The, the positives far, far outweigh the negatives if you can do it. And But there are struggles, and it probably helps to be prepared and to look into the cultural struggles, something I wasn't aware of um, that she brought up. But she strongly, she's a strong proponent of it. She's been there for over a decade already, and, uh, and I couldn't be prouder of her. I wish I had the kind of courage that she did to, uh, to do something like that. It's an amazing thing. It's an incredible thing. It's, uh, it's quite literally an existential thing. You know, there are people use that word so often, too often, but this really is an existential thing. The survival of the Jewish people very much depends on the existence of that state, as we know all too well from history. So we're going to talk about that a little bit, and we're going to talk about my unorthodox life and her take on it, which I found very interesting. We didn't necessarily agree on anything, which made for good conversation, and we'll do all of that right after this. Hi, I'm Zach Lax. My dad hosts this show, from the brains behind the operation. Good news. If you want to be a radio star like me, we've got open lines. Give us a call at 646-926-4699. That's 646-926-4699. 
Tell them you know me. You'll get right on. Come check out the must-have bus shared card game for friends, singles, and couples alike. Enjoy light would-you-rather questions and deep, insightful inquiries and forge meaningful and lasting connections. Laugh, ponder, enjoy. Grab them now while supplies last at www.thebusshared.com or in Judaica shops near you. This is The Real Deal. Talkline Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community. We're back on 620 AM WSNR. You're listening to Jeff Black's Live on the Zev Brenner, the legendary Zev Brenner Talkline Network, streaming on TalklineNetwork.com. And as always, you can tweet the show at Jeff Black's Live. Our call line is 646-926-4699, 646-926-4699. We have with us today an old friend of mine. I, I know this person for going back a long time. Eric, I don't know if you realize this, but you were, I believe, my first blind date ever many, 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 many many moons ago but uh, erica shackney is the editor of the <laughs> national magazine that were you not expecting that <laughs> uh, no actually i was reminiscing about that myself it's a so long, it's a long we, we can get into that that's fine it's a lifetime ago um i was very nervous was. i think i think you were my first blind date ever i believe uh, but Erica Shackney. Well, it's good that we're still talking today. Yeah, so seriously. Wasn't a negative experience. Seriously, <laughs> and I believe it was our parents, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know if that's right really? or not, but I don't maybe know. Maybe it was Rachel Lasher. Is that possible? Oh, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, you see, it's a long time. We're showing our age. Erica. It's a long, long, long time. Yeah, yeah. this yeah. is the first time I've broken the fourth wall in my interviews, where I got into a discussion before I finished the intro. But that's fine. It's fun. <laughs> so let me let me. Well, let me I do... tend to do that to people. So. <laughs> Erica Shackney is the editor of the National Magazine and in Jerusalem Weekend Supplement at the Jerusalem Post, Israel's most widely read English language newspaper. Her passionate writing, particularly her Tell It Like It Is social media posts, which I've seen and enjoyed, have garnered an eclectic, <laughs> devoted following. A lover of true crime, fitness, and all, and all things food and drink, she's been known to Moonlight in Jerusalem Post videos, testing out brews at the beer festival and festive donuts on Hanukkah. Now, Erica, with Hanukkah so near, do you have your eyes on any particular donuts? Um, I do, actually. Um Kadosh, they always have the most outrageous donuts. And this year they have a knafe donut and it's kind of like stuffed. Mm. And I was just looking at it today and I was thinking that I need to mosey on over there and get one. So. <laughs> now, I should mention also <laughs> that you are you're born in America, but you made Aliyah how many years ago? Uh, it'll be 12 years in December. So why don't um, I start with that? Tell me a little bit about that, that experience for people who might be thinking about it or recently have done it. What the, what's the experience been like for you? Um, well, I, I was always very Zionistic. As, as long as I can remember, I wanted to live in Israel. And I grew up in a very Zionist community in Hellcrest, Queens. And it was just reinforced um, through the shul that we went to, the synagogue, and um, through the schools that I went to. And just we spent summers there. And I just always knew that there would come a time that I would move there. And um, I did do that at the age of 32. I felt like I was at a crossroads in my life. And I could either look for another job or just, like, do it. So that's what I did. Um, I moved home at my parents for a few months and I just told everyone I was doing it so I couldn't back out and off I went and um, I did know a few people in Jerusalem so that was helpful um, to get me started on the social scene and um, yeah, yeah it was it was it was great I mean I, I kind of 
said to myself in advance that like it's not going to be like when I when I was a tourist it's and there's going to be hard times I don't know what those hard times are going to be but I'm ready for them and I am committed to living in Israel and you really have to do that because it does get tough and you will find yourself crying on the bus and that's normal why um, why what, what what is, what's the hardest part um, well, the culture is very different. Like Israelis are intense, and like on one hand, it's amazing we're one big family, but we're one big dysfunctional family. And and um, you know, as an American, we're used to like politeness, and it's the Middle East here. It's a jungle. It's a shook. So mm -hmm. you have to like you know you have to push your way through. You got to be assertive, and also like. You know, we're so used to understanding how everything works in America. We know who to call. We understand when we call a phone number with the operator saying what the recording is saying. Um, we understand all the pop culture references. And suddenly we're immigrants. You know, my grandparents were immigrants from Poland. I never imagined myself as an immigrant, but yet here I am. But um, it's been amazing. Like I chose Jerusalem because I had lived um, in New York, in New York City, in that Boer side for a number of years, and I felt like Tel Aviv might be too similar. And I was really looking for the authentic um, experience. So I've actually been in Jerusalem the entire time, and um, it was great because, uh, first of all, I always had the support of my parents when you know when I was living in Queens and. I always like had was able to fall back on that on them, and I still do have that. But it's different. I'm so far away, so I really have to stand on my own two feet and develop a lot as a human being. And I've met so many wonderful people, and um, I fell into this job that I'm doing now at the Jerusalem Post. I did not study journalism, so that's opened up so many doors. And um, it's an amazing thing to live in in the Jewish state. It's an amazing thing to live in the Holy Land. I feel like I'm helping to build it. It's like the greatest Jewish enterprise ever, at, like Herzl's, <laughs> and we're doing it. We're all doing it. We're all building it. So there's and a lot of meaning every day. Yeah. When you, no, sorry. Go yeah. ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, that's it. Um, and, and it's also fun. It's really fun. And the food and drink are great. <laughs> well, you know, you know that I've called you a hero for doing this before. It's very interesting and surprising and, you know, a little dis disappointing, obviously, to hear about the culture shock. But it totally makes sense now that I hear it. I just never thought of it. Having been there like so many other Jews, you just think of it as, you know, as a tourist, as fun. But you don't think about these, you know, struggles that you're talking about. So, it's it's interesting, and I think it's something that people should you know take in mind when they are doing it to just brace for it and maybe prepare as best they can. You know, I mean, you said something that I'm very interested in asking you. So you said you did not start your career in journalism. So I'm I'm curious about two things. First of all, uh, remind me because I don't remember what you did before you made Aliyah. And secondly, did you go to Israel without a job? Did you get that once you got there? Like, how did that work out with J Post? Okay, so I'll, t I'll answer those. I just want to add one thing that um, it is maybe a little disappointing or disheartening to hear that about the culture. But what the way I look at it is it's like, you know, when you're a tourist, it's almost like Disney World and um, and you're in the honeymoon phase of a relationship. And then when you're living here, you're like in the long term, you're married to Israel. So you make it work because you're really committed. Like you love Israel and Israel loves you. So and then there's like deep, deep benefits that come over time. You know, it's like an enduring sort of love for the country that you develop and like you become more like Israelis, and that also helps. So I don't want to discourage anybody. No, that definitely came through. Just so you know, that came through yeah. so clearly when we started talking. So obviously that's right. true. I don't, I don't want to discourage people either. I think it's an amazing thing what you've done. And right. I, I definitely, for people who could do it, my goodness, I can't. I, don't have, I couldn't have more respect for somebody that, that does something like that, um, especially, <laughs> le especially what you did leaving your family here. And you talked a little bit about how hard that is. Of course it's hard. 
Um, but right. but yeah, yeah, yeah. Please please talk about. So did you go there? Did you have did you have this J Post thing set up? What was your career before? So I, I had a master's of public health administration from NYU School of Public Service, um, and I was working in many different capacities in the healthcare industry, and it was fine, um, you know. But I, I didn't love it. And anyway, the healthcare system is so different in Israel. There's universal healthcare. So um, I came here, and I did have like a little bit of a job. I was I was uh, consulting for uh, Laniato uh, Hospital, which is in Kiryat Sands in Netanya. So I just I had that on the side, and at the same time I was taking Olpan, um, like to learn the, you know, to get better at the language. I did know the language. And then, um, you know, in a way I regretted that though, because I wish I had like fully dedicated myself to the Olpan. Mm. And then like, you know, so that my dictum, my grammar would be perfect. And it's certainly not, (laughs) but, um, yeah. And then I was very lucky that Nefesh Benefesh helped me get my first job here, which actually was in high tech. Um, I was working um, for a startup and I was helping write their website content and do some marketing. And that kind of phased out. And then I was just looking for my next gig. And um, I became friends with the arts editor at The Post, Sean Rogers. Shout out. He's now in L.A., but, I, you know, I owe it to Sean. And um, he told me they were looking for copy editors. And I was like, oh, I'll try out. You know, I always my mom's an English teacher. I always enjoyed writing. I always enjoyed editing. I did that somewhat in my healthcare career. And I started I started doing it at night and um, working like three nights a week um, from like you know, six o'clock to 12 o'clock at night. It was a strange schedule, <laughs> but uh, I loved it. And, uh, you know, I've been there 10 years now. And over time, like, you really get to learn the ma- the magazine. You learn you learn the paper from the ground up. And um, the editor started, like, you know, um, counting on me a little bit to get things done for them. And, and there's a lot of promotion from within at the Jerusalem Post. So I suddenly found myself the next in line. And then there I was. That's <laughs> but, awesome. So it was yeah. great. That, that's just terrific. Yeah. That you worked your way up that way, um, you know, with the culture shock and with coming over there and starting in a totally different industry. That's amazing. I mean, that, right. by the way, you know, it's funny you, you, when you talked about like uh, having regretted not committing to old pond and the Duke Duke and everything. Every I haven't thought of this in, in like 25 years. But when I spent my <laughs> when I spent my year in Israel, uh, I remember going to the Shuk for the first time and asking somebody something. Uh, trying to, because I thought my Hebrew was great coming from Yeshiva Flappish. I was, right. I was very, I was very cocky about my Hebrew. Okay, like all Flappish kids are. <laughs> and I go in there, cocky as all, you know, hell. And I say to the guy, Madua Madua And he goes, Madua, uh, Madua. Who are you, Abraham Avinu? <laughs> Right, it's biblical. And I realized, oh my <laughs> gosh, do they not really say that in real life? Right. You're going to be like Vayomer. Right, right. Madua. <laughs> you know, it's like, thou, right, I love thou that. taketh. It's know. like saying like, where, wherefore? Right. <laughs> yeah. Right, and Beit Shemush right. also. That, those are the two things that stand out. Oh, if, yes. If not Beit Shemush, and they look at you like you're out of your mind. Yeah, I've been known to ask for ham, uh, chamutziot, which are like craisins, raisins, yeah. instead of um, chamutzin pickles on my shawarma. So I get some weird looks. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Okay, so very. So maybe we'll have you back to talk about this in more detail because it is very interesting. I would I, love to. I, I want to hear yeah. something. So, so here's how. Now, I came across this story um, uh, from you, actually. I didn't know about this. I saw on, oh. your, on your eclectic Facebook uh, board or yes. timeline um, <laughs> that you were talking about um, uh, my, unorthodox, my unorthodox life and how Ben right. and Bot, who are the, 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 well, Ben is the son-in-law or was the son-in-law 
Uh, and right. Bat Sheva is the daughter of Julia Hart, who this is now for right. those who didn't follow it all, just give a very, very, very quick synopsis that Julia Hart was mm-hmm. part of an ultra Orthodox community and she left it and she become she became a fashion mogul and she kind of influenced I would say most of her kids to leave the community and and kind of go along with her and her career and she's very very wealthy and married to a very very wealthy man as well um, so that's kind of what the show is about a reality show so you posted that Ben and Bot who are this couple. Um, so Bot was, uh, was Julia Hart's daughter and Ben is the son-in-law. They got mm-hmm. married very young in Muncie and they broke up. So before we get into that, um, the breakup, I just want to hear what your overall thought was of the show when you watched it. Um, I was very, um, kind of reticent about the show because I think putting it all out there on reality TV is never a great idea if you're serious about your own life. <laughs> and, um, it just causes like problems for the family itself and i just was worried how it would depict you know orthodoxy judaism um how it would sensationalize it and but i was willing to give it a try and um you know she became uh, uh, julia she herself like um she came out and said that she had a lot of issues with orthodoxy and now she's totally secular but um aggressively secular Yes. And, um, you know, but she felt kind of discriminated against as a woman. And some of the things she said resonated with me because it's not always equal in orthodoxy. And I, I felt, OK, you know, I understand her. But then um, when I saw how she was so aggressive about it and she she wants everyone to understand her but not have the same level of understanding, for example, for her youngest son who wants to stay religious and he doesn't, I I don't know, he's like a young teenager. He doesn't want to talk to girls. He wants to focus on his learning, on his Torah learning. And she's just being super aggressive about setting him up on dates. I I did, as time went on, I did see that, you know, she was vulnerable around her children and that um, she really did love them. I just think she's a very hurt and traumatized person. And um, it's, I felt like it was very sad for the kids because they were very drawn, I guess, to her, all the glamour and the money. And um, I would too, at their age, they're, they're so young. They're in their early twenties. Like, you know, she's a bot is the oldest, I believe. And then all the others are just like dazzle eyed and um, yeah. And it's very seductive and, and, you know, you have, I guess your own will in your twenties, but you're not experienced enough to know how it's going to reflect on you later. And um, I was, I, I saw like the conflicts and I was worried. I always worry about marriages on reality shows. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, and I saw the tension and I was like, this is not going to end well for them. Yeah. I felt really bad. I thought they were a very cute couple. So, so yeah, it's interesting because uh, I have two clips I want to play for you. I was going to play the Ben and Bot one okay. first, but you mentioned something okay. that makes me want to play the other one first. So let me go to that. So this clip is exactly right. what you were talking about. This is a scene, and I wish I had the video, but obviously we can't because uh, mm-hmm. I, I wish people could see the facial expression and, and she cries in the scene. I wish people could see. Um, yeah. And so you were talking about Aaron, her son, who wants to stay religious. Right. And she's very upset because he had a girlfriend. He was 13 at the, t- at the time, had a girlfriend. And now he tells her what you just said, that he wants to focus on his studies and learning and he doesn't have time for girls. And she got very upset. So let me just play the clip and we could talk about it. I don't okay. know what happened in camp. I will not let fundamentalism ruin your life. That's I fundamentalism. Will not. Fundamentalism is thinking that girls are bad and that if you speak to them, you're a sinner. And that if very you watch sad. television, it's a waste of time because you should be learning Torah all day long, 24 hours be. a day. That right there is why, to me, That's you're not going up the escalator right now. You are going down into the rabbit hole of crazy fundamentalism. I highly disagree with that. That's like 
Well, it's okay. You're 14. I'm 49. So my job as a parent is to make sure you have all the options available to you. And if after you have all the options, you still want to choose that way of life, then I will respect you. 14 years of age, you may not think you sound like a closed-minded person, but I promise you, I sound like a you Jewish do. person. No, my love, there's millions of modern Orthodox Jews who keep Shabbos and kosher who don't feel this way, okay? So you don't sound like a religious Jew, you sound like a fundamentalist. I lived in that world, and it's a very small and sad world, mm. and a place where women have one purpose in life, and that is to have babies and get married. And that's one thing that I am very worried about because it is not a world I want my son to think is the only world that exists. I see the world, I just don't want to be part of that world. That's what makes me so sad. The violins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> L literally. It's very upsetting to me. Seriously. I love you so much. I just want you to have everything in life and you're cutting yourself off from the world and it kills me. Okay, I'm going to stop it there. So what, what's your take on that? Okay, um, first of all, I just her term fundamentalist. I think that turned off a lot of people. I've, I personally am very familiar with Muncie, New York. I have first cousins, aunt and uncle that grew up there and I grew up going there to visit them and they are black hat yeshivish, more religious than I grew up, but they were always very open and lovely. And um, for example, my oldest cousin, I mean, they all work. She's a self-taught CPA. You know, she did not, and she passed the exam. She did not go to college because I understand why, you know, there are some temptations that people who are more religious might not necessarily want to put themselves in, but they're out in the world very much so. And um, they always had what to say. And honestly, they seemed happy. I'm not saying that people don't have issues and there are things that are not perfect and things that I personally object to as a woman. But um, so I object to that. I do think Julia, um, she genuinely cares about her son, but I think she's I don't know if it's narcissistic or she cannot see past the lens of her own experience. Yeah. And it was funny. Her 14-year-old son came out looking so mature, yes. especially when you see it in the vigil. He seemed like the adult and he, she seemed oh. like, like the very the sad child. 100%. And I understand. I get her because I think she really did suffer somehow in that community. I'm not sure how or why. So I saw something very interesting. Somebody said, I was, I read a lot of threads about it and they said, you know, she's very beautiful and she was especially beautiful, I guess, when she was younger and out there in the community. And it's hard when you get so much attention for being so beautiful, yet you're a woman and you're supposed to be modest. So I wonder if that has anything to do with it, like her wanting to show off her beauty and kind of having to hide, you know, to keep it tucked away. Um, I, I think she genuinely wants the best for her son, and she's terrified of what happened to her happening to him. I have compassion for, you know, for her, but at the same time, you know, he's he has to do what he's, you know, he is not comfortable in that other setting. And the worst, the worst thing that'll happen is he'll have good values in high school, and he'll yeah. come out and date then. I, I, he has, he seems to be a wonderful child, and uh, he may not be doing what she's doing, but. Um, yeah, so it's it's he handled himself amazingly. I, I mean, it's I very totally hard to see agree. a crying mother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I mean, you heard me just like cheering you on. I, because I, I, I was me and my wife and I, Alana, were watching this together, and I turned to her in the middle of this scene, and I said to her exactly what you said. He's the mature one. You know, I literally said yeah. that to to my wife, and she's like, "Yeah, 
I know. I mean, imagine your biggest problem in life is that your 14-year-old son tells you they want to focus on learning in school. I mean, give me a break, right? That's like, you know, he's 14. He doesn't need to uh, meet a girl yet if he doesn't want to, if he's not ready for it. I also thought right. that, but now, uh, so, but I, but I think you make a lot of good points there. Very interesting, your comment about the fact that she was especially attractive and felt constrained that she couldn't even possibly enjoy I don't know. I'm totally it is speculating. <laughs> the reason why I say that yeah. is because she dresses so provocatively in the show. I mean, yeah. she goes back yes, to Muncie does. in short shorts. I mean, that's crazy. Right, it's a little bit, it's a little bit disrespectful because you know, you know, she's doing it on purpose specifically. Um, Cause she could easily, right. easily, she could wear something that's nice and attractive, but that's not like, showing everything right. and she specifically goes you know the other way because she wants to make a point um in muncie yeah. but you know that, but interesting yeah. point that you make though yeah yeah but that was interesting because um she had like her daughter wanted to wear something that was kind of covered up you know she still had her daughter the um not bought the other daughter Miriam. and um they i think all the kids seemed to have nice values that they were brought up with and she had respect you know she knew she was going to muncie so she's not going to wear something very revealing and julia kind of encouraged her to wear something revealing i think in the end it was fine what she wore and then um julia was wearing like a shorts outfit you know a little bit like right. cleavage whatever and then she went to like the most popular supermarket market in Muncie and um, right, right. I think she was looking to get a rise out of people but everybody yes. was so sweet to her yes. they were very polite oh my god you're mirroring and that was nice to see you're mirroring the exact <laughs> conversation Alana and I were having when we watched it. that's exactly what we're saying we're like, oh, okay. we're like we're like she definitely wants a reaction for the TV show for the cameras let's be honest she wanted to right. get she wanted to get people in the store to react to her outfit for the cameras in Muncie but right. it was totally the opposite no one cared <laughs> I know they were right? like, "Oh, hello! Yeah, How are you? totally, totally." Can I help you find the pickles and the coleslaw that right, you like so much? Right, you know? right, coleslaw, right, right. You're totally. They do have amazing coleslaw. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. You're totally right about that. Totally right. All right, Jeff Lax back here in the studio live with you again. Uh, yeah, you know, it's funny. She, There's no question that she was trying to bait the shoppers and Muncie with her cameras. And the only thing she cared about was the cameras. She wanted someone to look at her um, judgingly. And to their credit, they were amazing. No one cared. They lived their life. They wanted to let her live her life. So I thought, you know, everyone in that story, and she, I'm sure she was disappointed. She brings this professional camera crew to a, uh, a supermarket. People just going to shop for their daily lives to try to catch them basically being rude to her. And it didn't work. Um, so I thought that was interesting. And and, and credit goes to those months. Good for you, Muncie shoppers. If there are any Muncie shoppers out there, good for you. You handled it great. You didn't take the bait. Good for you. We'll be back with part two with Erica Shackney talking about my unorthodox life right after this. Hi, I'm Alex Lax, the talented one in the family. I'm nine, I'm already on the radio. When my dad was nine, he was breaking windows, causing trouble, and getting into all sorts of trouble with my Bobby. That's very true. Unfortunately, it is. Don't be like my dad. Be famous, like me. We've got open lines. Give us a call at 646-926-4699. That's 646-926-4699. Talkline Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network. The voice of the Jewish community. Come check out the must-have Bashert card game for friends, singles, and couples alike. Enjoy light would-you-rather questions and deep, insightful inquiries. And forge meaningful and lasting connections. Laugh, ponder, enjoy. Grab them now while supplies last at www.thebashert.com or in Judaica shops near you. 
This is The Real Deal. So I want to I want to go to another clip now. So this is Ben and Bob. Okay. They broke up. Now I guess they're right. not divorced yet, but they broke up. Um, mm-hmm. So you mentioned on social media that you saw this coming, and um, right. let's, let's listen to the clip first. I will tell you that when mm-hmm. this part, what I'm going to play for you right now, when I saw this on the show, I again my wife and I watched every episode together. I turned to her and I said, "They're not going to make it." When I saw this particular yeah. clip, so here, here's the clip. Yeah. That's such a cute baby. That is. I think babies are cute. They and just don't know, give me baby beaver. That's such a cute baby. <laughs> I feel like if I would get pregnant now, like, I would I would regret it. I don't want to have a baby right now. What's the rush? It's not a rush. It's been eight years. Ben would have had a baby if it was up to him when we were probably, like, 22. I feel that I did the married thing young at 19, and I never had any single years as an adult, so I feel like I need a little bit extra time than maybe some people. On top of being nervous about you changing your mind and everything, I'm also nervous about us possibly not being able to. Because like everyone like, oh yeah, I'm young, I'll get pregnant right away. And like for a lot of people that are expecting it, it doesn't happen right away. I'm not going to pressure her. And if she still wants to wait, at the end of the day, she's going to be the one that has to quote unquote have the baby. So it's her decision. I would just feel more comfortable and secure in waiting if we did something like a fertility test or something. That's fine. If that will make you feel better, like that makes me um, feel I, I would but be like, a obviously, if I'm getting tested, you're getting tested. If if that makes you comfortable, like I I don't have a problem with that. Okay. Like that would be fine. Like I think there, I think that's healthy for both of us. Okay, I feel like that's fair. Okay, honestly, Erica, when I saw this, I thought this guy is a total idiot, because <sighs> he thought he got something out of that you know exchange, and she, mm-hmm. did you hear the relief? In her voice, when she said, when he said, it'll be okay as long as we do fertility fertility tests. She had no interest yeah. in having kids with him. They're married eight years, and it's not even a thought on her mind. I mean, I, I, I said to myself, there's no way she wants to be with him. That was my thought when I saw this scene. So what, what did you take out of it? Maybe you disagree with me. No, no, I, I think that they both um, were living a certain way of life that they both signed on for when they got married at 19, and apparently he was in Colel, and um, they were going on that trajectory that a lot of these families, a lot of these couples do, that, you know, you marry very young, and then you make a whole family, and you live, like, quietly and nicely and, you know, tour a life, and that's what he bought into, and that's what, and that's where he still was, and um, I thought that he was very understanding and trying very, very, very hard to adapt, because yeah. I think he genuinely loved her, and he still does, probably, and I think she loved him, too, which is why I think it's so tragic, because I um, I do think they have something special, but I do think she got a taste of um the world out there and she wants to see what it's all about and i don't blame her because 19 is very very young to get married and maybe she does feel like she missed out and or not maybe she does and i totally get that and it's it's unfortunate because i do think they're a good match and they both were really trying to make it work i think they somehow like outgrew each other or they just grew in completely different directions and they were he was especially like he was holding on desperately like he always looked so uncomfortable on camera i felt so bad for him but um you know he was he loves he loves her and he wanted to make it work and you know i I guess you just can't fight that like ultimately she wants to experience life and now everything is opening up for her she's 
um, on this, you know, world famous show. And, you know, her mother is fabulously wealthy and she's going to meet all these really handsome young men. And, um, I, I, you know, she, they both were trying to compromise in their own way. They were like hanging on by their fingernails, <laughs> but, um, you, you can't fight like that momentum. That's what I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, the one thing I disagree about is I totally agree that he was totally in love with her. I think it's so obvious. I don't think she was into him at all. I really don't. I think she felt anymore. like at this point. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't know. Obviously, no one knows the past eight years, but and again, it's TV for God's sake, so you don't really see every minute even close or anything even real. They know the cameras are on, but right. I mean, her attitude, if you love someone, it's at least a thought on your mind after eight years. I mean, if you want, if, if you don't want to have kids in general, that's something else, okay? I don't think it's right. that she doesn't want to have kids ever. I think it's that she didn't think of him as the father of her children. And, um, that's what, uh, that, that was what I took out of that. And, um, and there was another thing too, and now, now I'm kind of blanking on it, but there was something else that happened, um, in a different episode and I forgot what it was. It was some kind of a conflict with the mom and I thought, Oh, right. oh she oh. got, she kind of meddled with them a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I thought that even though she was protective of her husband, no, no. You know what it was? It wasn't the mom. It was with, it was with uh, Miriam, the sister. Oh, Miriam right, was right, saying how sister. pissed off she was at Ben about something. Uh, maybe it's about the wearing of the pants or something maybe like that. Maybe because he only he still wanted her to wear skirts only. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what it was. And Miriam basically implied that she wants them to be done. And I right. thought Bot's reaction to that, even though it was appropriate, there was nothing wrong with it. It wasn't the reaction you would have if you really loved your husband. Because if you really right. loved your husband, you would say to your sister, this is my husband, butt the hell out. It's none of your business. And she didn't say that. She right. was much more polite about it, which is nice. But it also, if you're not emotional enough, it also shows a lot about how you feel towards your husband. So I don't know. I never thought they were going to last. And to be honest with you, th that scene where where he goes with his pathetic resume to her, to her mom... I mean, right. but I paused the show on that. I want to see what was on his resume. It is really sad because he did grow Aww. up in that. Yeah, it is. It's. I mean, I hate to say it, but there's really nothing on it. There's nothing on his resume. What does he have on his resume that he interned for her mom? I mean, that's basically I mean, just some real estate. Um, yeah. But I felt like um, he knew he was hanging on too at that point for something. No, they both. More. Yeah, for sure he did. Yeah. Um, but I do think that um, he was being undermined constantly. Um, by her mother and by her sister, as you said. And it's very hard to stand up against that barrage. And her mother was constantly like, like, I, I think it, it really emasculates a man when people are telling you that, you know, he's not, I guess, woke enough or he's not, he doesn't have the right kind of job and he's not being manly enough. And the more you say it and then her mother urging her, don't have kids, don't have kids. I think it got into her head and, um, yeah. you know, it makes him less attractive to her. Right. I think that's what happened. And he didn't really fit into that world with her. And that's the world she wanted. And I do think she's, she just felt like he was, you know, not, she outgrew him and she just, I do think he was undermined a lot. And that was really sad. And I, I really think she's going to regret breaking up with him. Really? really interesting. About. Interesting. Yeah. I, yeah. I, it's, all, I, it's all rosy. I hope yeah, you're no, right. I'm sorry. No, I disagree. I, I think she's, I think she is so relieved to be done with it. I, I, that's my impression. I don't know. 
but I'm not good with this stuff. So you, you're probably right, more right than no, I am. No, I think she's like, you know, she's young and beautiful and everything's exciting in her, in her twenties. And she, you know, she hasn't been out there in the dating world and she doesn't know how like crazy it can be and how he's a really good guy and he loves her. And like, she might look back. I really hope this is not the case, but after like, a few years of dating guys that aren't serious or right. don't treat her so well, or like in the fast lane, she might look back and remember, wow, he was a really faithful, good guy. And like, I threw him away. Like, maybe, I hope that doesn't right. happen. Maybe you're right. I'm um, saying from the perspective of someone in their forties, you know, yeah. so it's completely different. Um, but you know, everything's seductive and exciting when you're that age and you don't think about the future. You think you have all the time in the world. So maybe she will marry a hot guy on the scene. Who knows? That's <laughs> maybe what she'll I, have babies with him later in her thirties or yeah. something. Yeah. That's my, prediction. Yeah. that's my prediction, but we'll see. See, they, they were renewed yeah. for season two. So I guess we'll find out the trajectory of that. And, whether we, now you now you mentioned online somewhere that he's in Israel now. He actually went to Israel. Yeah, my friend pointed out to me on his Instagram that um, he showed the run like um, you know that hallway that you either go up or go down. That's like iconic in Ben Gurion Airport mm -hmm. with the bust of actual Ben Gurion. That shows that you're either coming in or you're leaving Israel. So he is coming in, and he had that picture that wrote home on it. So it seems that he's in Israel actually. So that's the best place to nurse your broken heart, I think. So <laughs> well, I hope that I hope it works out for him that way. Did you buy in? Now last week we had on Leah Gottfried, who was the creator of Soon by You. Did you by any chance, do you, are you a fan of that show? Do you watch that show? Somebody just suggested to me that they do an article about it. Um, I have to look into it more. Just tell me a little bit about it. Um, yeah, no, it's it's, it's very it's very different, obviously, than my unorthodox life. It's it's about these these religious right. Jews who are dating on the Upper West Side. It's the life we lived for yeah. years on the Upper West Side. Wow. And it, it really yeah. resonates with me because it reminded me of so many dates that I had up there. Um, and it's oh, just about yeah. singles going through that. Yeah, I definitely recommend it. And you can come back on. We could talk about that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I definitely have a perspective on that. So, All right, let you me know, we had the Srugim series in Israel. That's oh, similar. that's right. Yeah. I, lo I love that show. I love, I, know. I really, really love that show. And you know, what's funny. I thought the writing was horrific in that show. I hated the writing. <laughs> like I really did. Right. I don't usually say that, but I right. loved the characters. I loved the actors. I thought the actors were right. so good and the persona so good. I thought the dialogue was so horrible, but I thought the <laughs> characters were so... I really was invested in the characters. Um, very weird, because yeah. very rarely do I like a show that much and think the writing is so pathetic. Um, but that's how oh. I felt about it. I wanted to watch them every week because I love the act. I love the actors and those characters. Um, yeah, and it really rang true. They made it come to life. We know those types of people. In yes. Hebrew, they say tipusim, like types. Yeah. And they really <laughs> filmed it where it happened. They filmed on my block in Katamon. This is like the heart of what they call the Bitsa, the swamp, like the single swamp. You never get out. You right. know? <laughs> and they... And they were like at Yakar Shul, which is where everybody goes on Friday night to socialize. Right, so, right, right. Yeah. So it was living it. Yeah. Okay, let's let's shift gears a little bit. I know that. So obviously with your work on the magazine and the weekend supplement um, for the Jerusalem Post, you mentioned that you off the air to me be, before we started this interview that you had a, took a trip to Thailand recently. So tell me about that. Um, yeah, it kind of fell into my lap. Um, I hadn't left Israel since this all began, since Corona. So it had been almost two years. And I kind of was resigned that 
I was here indefinitely. <laughs> and then um, I was offered to go on this junket being sponsored by the Thai Board of Tourism in Israel. And they're bringing like different media types, um, someone from La Isha, the women's magazine, um, some influencers from Instagram, um, a travel blog. And um, they, they were putting us all together to go to Phuket, um, the biggest island in Thailand, and uh, be there for a week and just see all the sites. And because Thailand had been closed to tourists and now they were opening it up. So they wanted us to like experience everything and bring back like the good word <laughs> to, you know, the, our fellow Israelis. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so we had an amazing trip. Um, we went everywhere. Uh, <laughs> we went to all the beaches, like not all of them, but um, we went to beaches, we went to pools. Um, we went to a pineapple and coconut farm. We went to a bunch of really cool restaurants. And even as someone um, who's kosher, you know, you could have like a curry, a vegetarian curry or like a piece of salmon or, or a sea bass. Mm -hmm. And the food is incredible. And they put us up in this villa um, that you, you get really used to the good life very quickly <laughs> um, with your own pool and your own jacuzzi and yes yeah, so. hey, you're a little julia hart you feel like a julia a hart for a couple bit. of days right i did minus <laughs> the camera crew right thank god there was no camera crew um yeah and the, i found the thai people to be absolutely lovely they were wonderful and uh, it was nice it was my first time in asia so wow. it was incredible to be out be out of the country and be somewhere so completely different tropical so you, yeah. <laughs> you've written about that for the magazine or you're going to write an article? Yeah, I wrote it two weeks ago. I wrote like a whole magnum opus about my experience uh, there. <laughs> yes, yeah, so it was quite fun to write, actually. <laughs> very cool. Listen, you couldn't have done that in healthcare. They wouldn't be shipping you off to these luxurious resorts in the healthcare industry, right? So that's great. No, I mean, we once had a conference in Albany. That wasn't quite as fabulous. So. <laughs> no, def definitely not. Well, Econo listen, Lodge yeah. In Albany. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm, I'm coming up on time here, but please tell the listeners, first of all, I really enjoyed the conversation. I hope you'll come on again. Me too. And I would love to. Great. And please tell the listeners how they can find your work and uh, anything else you want to you want to promote. Um, so I am on jpost.com and just Google my name on there, Erica Shackney. And um, we're going to the Jerusalem Post is going to be rolling out a bunch of podcasts soon. So stay stay tuned for that. And uh, yeah, try to read the magazine and in Jerusalem if you can. <laughs> it's really good weekend content. And uh, I try to make it as interesting as possible, not just politics, but we have a lot of that. But, you know, the light reading that you might want over over the weekend. But still being hard hitting. So <laughs> very cool. I, listen, I really and find me on yeah. Facebook. <laughs> fa fa okay, right. find Erica on Facebook. And are you on Twitter also? I am, but I don't have much of a presence there. I'm really focused on my Facebook, and that's where I just sound off about everything in the world, as Jeff knows. So, gotcha. Yeah. Yes, I do know. And yeah. listen, I enjoyed the conversation. I appreciate your perspective, and I hope you come on again. And thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Happy Hanukkah. You too. Find a good donut. Oh, you know I will. <laughs> Take care. <laughs> Bye. Come check out the must-have best shared card game for friends, singles, and couples alike. Enjoy light would-you-rather questions and deep, insightful inquiries and forge meaningful and lasting connections. Laugh, ponder, enjoy. Grab them now while supplies last at www.thebestshared.com or in Judaica shops near you. This is The Real Deal. Talkline Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community.
And we're back on Jeff Black's Live, 620 AM, WSNR, and network.com. And of course, follow us on Twitter if you still have not, at Jeff Black's Live, at Jeff Black's Live. Phenomenal show. Great, great job uh, by Erica Shackney. And I told her she's a natural at this. I hope she ends up uh, doing her own podcast or her own radio show, or at the very least comes back on with me. And I, I offered, I invited her to co-host, um, and I hope she will. You know, some people are just naturals. Uh, it doesn't happen that often, but when you see it, you want to kind of encourage it, push it, because it's there. Um, terrific job by her. Re- really interesting perspective. Um, and a lot of things that I wouldn't have necessarily thought about uh, on my own. And uh, and she's, she, again, takes a lot of courage to do what she did, upend her entire life and her career with no assurances, really. She said she had a part-time job in health industry when she went to Israel, but that's it. To do that for a belief system and your Zionism, that's amazing. That's wonderful. That's just, uh, that's the greatest thing in the world. So kol hakavod, as they say in Israel, uh, I won't ask questions and say things like madua and get mocked or beit shimush vayomer. <laughs> here is thy, <laughs> here is thy item, sir. <laughs> what thou would like us, to, uh, should I ring you up? That's basically what I was doing in the show. Thank you, Erica Shackney. Great, Erica Shackney, sorry, great job. Tomorrow, we have got Mike Boxer from 613. He's going to talk about the hugely viral music video they just put out. It's going crazy on YouTube, and he's going to talk about it tomorrow at length with me. And boy, that is going to be a lot of fun. So tune in tomorrow night for Mike Boxer. Uh, you do not want to miss that. The guy's brilliant and is fascinating. We'll hear all about 613 and the great success of that group. See you tomorrow night, everybody.